Well, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving weekend? Come on. Gotta love that turkey and mashed potatoes. Come on, somebody. Hey, well, welcome to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have you guys join us this morning on this snowy morning. And uh, the, all of our friends and family joining us online as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are uh, continuing in this series we've titled Running with the Giants. And how many of you guys have been here for at least one week of Running with the Giants? Let me see a show of hands here. Awesome. Yeah, we've loved this series. And when we say giants, what we mean is we're talking about faith giants. We're looking at the men and women of faith uh, that have went before us, that we can learn from their example, and they can encourage us and build our own faith, right? And in Hebrews chapter 11, we've talked about this entire series. It's known as the Hall of Faith. We're familiar with the Hall of Fame and sports people and different people that are the best in their field, but uh, the Bible has a Hall of Faith, and it has men and women that are listed in this chapter 11 of Hebrews that we can learn from their example. And so uh, after you get through Hebrews chapter 11, you get to Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, which has kind of been the foundational uh, verse for our series. I want to go back and read that real quickly. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud or a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. Everybody say run. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And how many of you guys know, we've been doing some running this month, right? We're putting our running shoes on this month. We've been running with some faith giants, right? If you guys have missed any week here, just a quick recap. Week one, we took a lap with Noah. How many of you guys know Noah is a faith giant, right? He taught us so much. We learned that integrity in our life releases a signal of faith to God, right? We learned that obedience is our response to faith, right? We learned that salvation is our reward. Week two, Pastor Erica did a phenomenal job. She dived into Isaac, the life of Isaac, and there's so much we can take away from him, but we learned that we are called to trust God even when we don't understand, Right? And we also learned that, hey, just because God promised it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, amen? Just because it's his promise and we see that and God's spoken to us doesn't mean it's just all puppy dogs and unicorns, right? It's not flower and roses. It can, life can be tough and we have to have that faith, right? Last week, Pastor Erica continued this kind of lineage of faith uh, by looking at the life of Jacob, right? And we learned that, man, I, I don't know about you, that you guys, but I'm so thankful every time I hear this, God can use you despite your imperfections, amen? That man, no matter what you've done or how you mess up, God can still use you, right? And we learned that you haven't really prayed until you've wrestled, right? We saw how Jacob wrestled with God, right? Until he blessed him. And that God provides even in the midst of famine or even in the midst of a pandemic. And so we didn't really plan it this way as we set out in the series, but we're gonna, as, as Jacob kind of took his last lap last week and kind of put back in the grandstands, he, he tagged and he high-fived a guy by the name of Joseph, his son, Joseph. And so that's who we're gonna focus in on today. We're gonna look at Joseph. And um, you know what? I'll, I'll just be honest. After all of the turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and pie, we might need to take two laps with Joseph today, all right, just to get the calorie and step count up a little bit, all right? Just kidding. Uh, but seriously, we're going to dive in, and we're going to talk about Joseph faith. If you're taking notes today, if you want a title, it's really simple, Joseph faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive from his word this morning. Father, we love you so much. We thank you that your presence is here with us. 
We thank you that, Lord, you've given us faith giants that have went before us, men and women, who we can look to their example, look to how they trusted you, look to see what you did in and through them despite their imperfections. And Lord, we can connect and resonate with those storylines and those character arcs because Lord, you are doing the same thing in and through us. And so Father, I pray that faith would come, Lord, as we hear your word, faith grows in this place today. Father God, I thank you that we're strengthened, we're encouraged, and we can trust you more fully as we leave today knowing that God, you are a God of faith and you call us to to live by faith. Lord, we love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, and everybody agreed, said, amen. And so, in the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see Joseph appear in one short verse, in verse 22. I want to read that for you. It's kind of at the end of Joseph's life, and it says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel, speaking of them departing from Egypt and slavery, and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, that will make a lot more sense uh, as we come back to that at the end of my message today and come full circle here. Uh, But man, there is so much that happens in Joseph's life from that point at the end of his life to when we first meet him. And so if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, we find it in Genesis chapter 37, and it spans all the way through Genesis chapter 50. And so if you brought your Bibles with you, you want to turn your Bibles on, go ahead and open those up because we're going to read 13 chapters of Scripture this morning. Some of your faces are like, are you serious? No, we're not. We're not going to read at all that much. For time's sake, I'm going to paraphrase the life of Joseph for you if that's cool. If you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, he's more than just a technicolor dream coat, okay? Uh, There's a lot more to that. And then we're going to dive in and kind of pull out what the Lord really wants to get to us today. And so if you're not familiar with it, just to get on the same page, Joseph is one of Jacob's sons. We look at Jacob last week. He's a son of Jacob, right? And with this whole kind of faith series, we've been walking through, we we skipped Abraham because we did him uh, two years ago, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Israel. Joseph is Jacob's son. So what a lineage of faith this man already steps into, or he's already born into a, a, a legacy of faith. His great-great-grandfather, Joseph's great-great-grandfather, is Abraham, the father of faith, the pillar of faith for us, right? We first meet Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. And when we meet him, he's, he's 17 years old. And, and his father, Jacob, who, again, his name has changed to Israel, right, uh, loves him more than all the other brothers, right? And, and a lot of us are familiar with this deal. He gives him a coat, a tunic of many colors, right? And so the brothers already hated Joseph because he was kind of favored. Uh, they don't like him even more. And then Joseph starts dreaming, all right? He starts having these dreams, right? He has two dreams, right? Uh, and they already don't like him, but this makes matters worse, right? Joseph has one dream where he is in the center and all, uh, it's like sheaves, they're out in the field, it's an it's a analogy, but basically Joseph's sheaves rises up and all the other brother's sheaves bow down. And so basically, hey brothers, you're going to bow down and worship me, right? It's like, hold up, that, that doesn't usually do well with a sibling, sibling rivalry, if you guys have brothers or, or different people like that in your life, uh, that doesn't make them more happy, that it just uh, adds fuel to the fire. Then he has another dream uh, where basically the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are bowing down to him, and he tells them to his brother and his father, and so later on, fast forward, uh, the brothers are mad, they're out in the field, uh, Jacob tells Joseph uh, to go out in the field to check on his like lost brothers or where his brothers are at, and uh, they're like, hey, let's kill this dude. And Reuben, one of the guys is like, no, 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 let's not do that. Uh, but let's throw him in a pit. All right. And so they 
take the coat of many colors off him, strip him of that, throw him in a pit. Eventually, he gets sold and trafficked into slavery and taken to Egypt. They dip Joseph's coat in a bunch of blood and take it back to dad and jack up and say, look, is this your son's coat? He must have been killed. And so Jacob and the family thinks that Joseph is dead, but he's in slavery in Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, uh, he becomes uh, to a house of Potiphar. He's kind of like... Um, the Pharaoh's like Egyptian guard kind of master, kind of army commander, dude. And he becomes a slave in his household. However, it says that God favored him and prospered him. And he eventually gets promoted to be over Potiphar's entire house. In the midst of that season, however, Potiphar's wife makes some unfavorable advances towards Joseph multiple times. And, and uh, he, he refuses that, but he gets wrongfully accused. She accuses Joseph of coming after her. And so Joseph, instead of keeping rising in command, he gets thrown in prison. <laughs> this is a rough story, right? A lot of highs and lows going, right? And then in the midst of that, Joseph was in prison, but he starts serving and he has a good attitude. And guess what? He gets promoted by the prison guard to be over the entire prison. So things are looking good. And, and, and these two guys from Pharaoh, uh, his cupbearer and um, his baker get thrown in jail or prison because they were doing something wrong and they have dreams. And Joseph interprets them and one's good for uh, the cupbearer, the other one not so good for the baker. Uh, but they come to pass and, and Joseph's like, hey, cupbearer, you're getting out of here. But when you get to Pharaoh, remember me, all right? He's like, Joseph's like, I'm getting out of here. This is awesome. The guy's like, yeah, sure, sure, I'll, I'll remember you. And he forgets. <laughs> And so for two more years, Joseph stays in jail when he thought he was getting out, yet God begins to prosper him. Then Pharaoh has a dream that no one in the land can interpret, but guess what? God's spirit reveals it to Joseph and says, hey, Pharaoh, there's going to be seven years of plenty coming, abundance. This is going to be great, followed by seven years of famine and, and, and lack, and so you should probably appoint somebody uh, to start gathering in the plenty so that there's food for humanity in the lack, right? And Pharaoh says, how about you? And takes Joseph from that situation and puts him second in command, just next to Pharaoh, over all the land of the Egypt. And God gives him the wisdom and the plan to actually figure out the system to collect all the plenty so that there'd be food left in these seven years of famine. So he gets promoted. He's 30 years old when he gets promoted. He was 17 when we meet him. 13 years from the pit to the palace, right? And then he continues to go on. And then it's really cool. It comes all full circle. At the very end of his life, near the end of his life, his brothers come to Egypt because there's no food. It's, it's a time of famine. And they come to him and through a series of events, Joseph reveals his identity and itself to his brothers, and he finally convinces them to bring Jacob and all of their family to Egypt. They actually get the land of Goshen, which is right next to where Pharaoh's at. They begin to prosper, and a family of 70 begins to populate and turn into a nation and a people of 2 million before they're in slavery, and God takes them out through Moses. Pretty incredible story, right? A lot of highs. A lot of lows, a lot of what, why, what's going on, God? And I think we can, we can learn from this. I don't know about you guys. I'm like, dang, Joseph was a man of faith. He kept consistent even though things were so inconsistent in his life. Like he's like an ultra marathoner of faith here, right? And there's so much that we can learn. I was praying this week. I'm like, God, what do I share on Sunday in a few short minutes? There are so many different directions that we could go from the story and life of Joseph. But I just trust that the Holy Spirit 
knows exactly where we need to go today. And so with the remainder of our time here, let's, let's think about as we take this lap with Joseph this morning, let's think about these things that I believe he would encourage us. And the first one on our run, I think that Joseph would share out of his mouth that he would say this, God's plan is a process. Everybody say process. God's plan for our lives is a process. We go back to Genesis 37, verses 5 through 7, the initial vision or the initial plan or the initial dream that God gives Joseph. It says, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf, right? So Joseph has this vision of like, I'm gonna be in a place of power and influence even over my brothers, right? I feel like if Joseph was here today, he would say this, hey, don't give up on your dreams, even if it takes a long time to realize them. Don't give up, because when we study this out, you gotta realize the time period we're talking about. He's 17 when we meet him, and he has this vision from the Lord in this dream. He's, he's 30 years old when he actually gets into second in command in Pharaoh. That, that's 13 years, and Bible scholars say there was another 10 years, seven years of plenty, and then another maybe two and a half to three years of the famine before his brothers actually come to him. And eventually we see that scene in scripture where they are actually bowing down to their brother Joseph. 23 years, 23 years of faithfulness, 23 years of trusting God. Right at age 17, Joseph knew that God was calling him to something big, but how many of you guys know it often doesn't happen overnight? Amen? Wouldn't that be nice if it happened overnight? Oftentimes, God's plan for our life isn't instant. And in our generation, we love it. Like, we don't see Joseph posting a TikTok video of his dream and it going viral and it just happening, right? Like, like, like no, it's exactly the opposite. The first text message that Joseph doesn't receive is, congratulations, you're a winner. You are going to be second in command of Pharaoh. Save this text message and take it to Egypt to reclaim your prize. Like, we don't see any of that. Now, how many of you guys know there is no such thing as curbside pickup for God's call on your life? Joseph, don't just call him up, pop my, hit the button, beep, 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 and the plan of God just walks into your life and just go on down the road. No, it's not insta. It's not instant. We like that. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, there's an app for that. Just download it. Boom, you got it, right? No, it, it often takes time. It takes a journey. It's a process, right? And, and, and so for Joseph, and I think for you and I, we could probably resonate with this too. Accepting God's dream, accepting God's plan, accepting God's promise for your life enlists you into a process, Amen. When you, when you get God's promise or his plan, it, it's like, yay, but it actually enlists you, whether you realize it or not, whether you're excited about it or not, into a process. And what process am I talking about? The process of preparation. Somebody say preparation. We don't like that word because it means time. It means something difficult, something hard, something that often doesn't come easy to us, yet it's so necessary to develop the character that we need, Right? When we say yes to the plan of God, it opens up the door to the process of God, and it brings with it some preparation for our life. When we say, yes, God, that is awesome, he's saying, yes, you know what you're signing up for, and some of you don't know what you're signing up for, but I know all things. I know how to get you from your pit to your palace. You just need to trust me and do it my way, right? 
as a 17-year-old cocky, favored kid running around with a multicolored North Face coat, right? Uh, he didn't have the character that he needed to be at second command in Pharaoh, right? He didn't have the wisdom that he didn't, he, his patience hadn't been uh, defined yet. His integrity hadn't been tested to the point where he, God knew he could trust him and appoint him to leadership. But oh my gosh, Joseph got signed up for a process, did he not? We see his whole life, right? He lacked that maturity. He lacked that trust, but God took him through the process, and I'll tell you what, it may not be overnight success for God's plan on your life, but if God spoke it, if God implanted it, if God downloads it, he can bring it to pass, amen? We just trust him on the timeline. So practically, where are you at today? Maybe, maybe do you have a dream that God has given you? You have a, a vision, a, a heart, something in your heart, a, a plan, a, a calling, a, a purpose that you've received from the Lord, and you know it's him, but you haven't realized it yet, I hear Joseph yelling to us on this run. He's saying, hey, bro, sis, trust the process. Trust the process, right? Embrace it because God knows how to take you from point A to point B. And oftentimes it doesn't look how we want it to, right? We want the shortest, quickest, easiest route. That's human nature and human flesh. God says, I know what I need to take you through and do in you so that when you get to point B, you are ready for point B. You are called and appointed for point B. Your character lines up with point B. Your wisdom lines up. Your experience in life lines up to where I've called you to be. Because if it's not, you will not stay there. You will fall. So we got to trust the process, right? Jo Joseph went through a bunch of highs and lows in his journey, but it was all a part of the process. And so what process do you find yourself in today? What preparation do you need to get excited about, not resent and stiff arm with everything you've got? Realizing that God can do some really cool things even in the process, even when it doesn't look amazing and glorious. That's number one. God's plan is a process. Number two, I feel like if Joseph is running with us, he would say this, hey, he is, is all candidly as he could. Do the right thing even when everything seems to be going wrong. Do the right thing, even when it looks like things are going in the wrong direction, right? If anybody is qualified to preach this point next to Jesus, I believe it would be Joseph. His life owned this, right? Joseph faced so many difficult circumstances, and many times, as we read in this story and we, we heard, it seemed like things were going the exact opposite direction of what God had showed him and the plan for his life, right? He's supposed to be ruling and he's in prison. He's supposed to be free and he's a slave, right? He's supposed to be living with integrity, but he's wrongfully accused. Right? All of these things that come against Joseph that just don't seem fair, he would say, hey, do the right thing even if it's going the wrong way. Right? And we see this over and over. A couple examples of this. We see that Joseph was sold into slavery, into Potiphar's house. How did he respond to that? We get a glimpse of that in Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 through 4. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of the house and all that he had put under his authority. So you get this. Joseph could have had this attitude like, God, why me? What the junk, Lord? Like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm a slave? He, he could have been, God, I'm mad at you. Like, I'm not doing what I'm called to do. This isn't how the dream played out. This is how the vision's supposed to be going, right? Did he respond that way? 
No, we don't see that from Scripture. How did he respond, right? Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. So obviously Joseph's actions and the way he lived his life was pleasing to the Lord. And the master of the house, Potiphar, saw something in Joseph's life. And then it said he served Potiphar, right? Obviously he must have served in a good way because he got what? Promoted to be over all of Potiphar's house, right? Man, what's the practical takeaways for you and I in this point? Well, maybe, maybe you find yourself in a place that doesn't look right, but you're wondering if God's still in it, right? What, do you find yourself in a tough situation right now? It could be anything, right? For some of you, maybe you feel like you're at the wrong job, doing the wrong thing right now. But you just also feel in your heart that you're supposed to just keep going, right? For some of you, maybe you feel like your marriage is getting worse instead of getting better, and you feel like it's going in the wrong direction. Maybe your financial situation and the books look like they're going in the wrong direction instead of the right direction for your life. Shoot, come on. Maybe you feel trapped where you're currently at in life. You just feel like you're stuck in between where you're supposed to be or where you could be and all of this, and you just don't know how to get out. Man, what would Joseph say? He would say, do the right thing, amen? Do the right thing. At your job that you hate or that you despise, work hard. Honor your boss. Let promotion that comes from the Lord come from him, not you, right? For, for that marriage, just continue to sow love. Continue to choose to forgive. Continue to walk the road of humility and do the heart work and the hard work, right? For that financial situation, keep doing what you know to do. Keep giving and honoring the Lord. Keep saving. Keep working the plan, even if it doesn't seem like it's making any sense. Get it? Sorry, see what I did there? It will add up eventually. But you can do the right thing. And I believe Joseph... Would, would encourage us with that. We see that Joseph was pursued by Potiphar's wife, right? Potiphar's wife made daily advances at Joseph, yet he refused her, right? And, and I love Joseph's response. It says in scripture in Genesis 39, verse nine, it says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sin against who? Sin against God. He took this thing seriously. I'm not gonna do the wrong thing. I'm not gonna get my life. And that, his life and the trajectory of God's plan could have went a really wrong way with one bad decision in this moment right here. But he was a man of integrity. It said a, she, she came at him really strong and he actually ran from her presence. He ran the opposite direction. He did the right thing, even when no one else was looking. For you and I, man, is there something wrong that's pursuing you? Something evil that's coming after you? It could be a person, it could be a thought, it could be a website, it could be a spirit of depression. Or anxiety. It could be something wrong that's pursuing you. Joseph would say, don't let that thing overtake you. Just continue to do the right thing. Continue to make the right decision even when no one else is around, even when no one else is looking. Amen? He said, hey, pass the integrity test. Joseph passed the test. Remember? He said, I'm called of God. And what does that mean? There's a process. God's plan for our life is a process, and he enlisted in that preparation, and God put his integrity on the line and said, let's see how Joseph will respond in this situation. And how do you guys know? Joseph passed with flying colors. Maybe that's why he had a coat. Sorry, bad joke. Like, where's the drummer? Like, I mean, that's a bad pastor joke, all right? Let's just, like, remove that one from the recording. That's great. Awesome. One more thing. We see that he was falsely accused and thrown in prison. How many of you guys know that's not the right direction? He gets thrown in prison, and he was innocent. He didn't do anything. It was all Potiphar's wife, right? And at this point in Joseph's journey, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I got some room to complain now, right? Like, 
God, this has not been going well. Like, I, I, I take two steps forward and 18 back. Like, every time I get ahead, I, I find myself further behind, right? But Joseph doesn't respond that way. He doesn't even get angry or mad at God, we don't see. We see this in Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 through 23. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison didn't even look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Joseph's situation was heading in the wrong way, but Joseph's behavior continued to remain right and pure before the Lord. The favor of the Lord shone around him, right? Favor and promotion was the reward of doing the right thing even when it was going in the wrong direction. And his attitude, how many of you guys know, Joseph's attitude had to be tested, right? It had to have been tested in this scenario, right? And so maybe you're here and your attitude's on the line. It's being tested right now in this situation. Maybe you find yourself in a place that you just never dreamed you'd ever be. You never wished this upon you. But could God use this season to, in the process of preparation, mold you and shape you and get you ready, right? Through all these circumstances, Joseph never threw in the towel and he never did the wrong thing. He kept just doing the right thing, even when it didn't look like it paid off instantly, right? Joseph's work ethic was being strengthened in this season, right? Joseph's favor with the people in that land was growing in this season. Joseph's integrity was being tested in this season. Joseph's trust in the Lord was being challenged, right? And his patience was being refined. And as we run this lap with Joseph, what can we take away with all this process stuff? I feel like he would say this, focus what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. Focus on what's happening inside, the inward work of the heart, the real work, than the circumstances that you're facing outwardly. Because Joseph leaned into that, and he became the man God had called him to be. It eventually came to pass. But if he would have just focused on what's happening to him, and had a pity party, or got mad, and raged at God, and went rogue, and rebelled, guess what? He wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time at the end of the story, which we're going to talk about in a second here. How many of you guys know our faith is tested most when we go through difficult times, not through high times, right? Our character is best developed in the tough times, isn't it? Our integrity is best displayed when the heat is on, not when it's easy to choose what's right, right? Our patience is produced the best when the thing we desire the most is delayed, right? And Joseph teaches us this. And we, those of you guys that are sport fans, you know this, like losing seasons. Like, for, for example, the Lions. Like, like, you could call it a losing season again. Or you could call it what we used to call it growing up. It's a character-building season. Like an anointed, like, faith-filled way of saying we suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not really good. It's a character. But, like, I grew up playing basketball. And in high school, in my AU team, we won a lot. Like, I got used to winning. Then I went to college and played at that collegiate level, and we weren't horrible, but we weren't good either. But throughout my whole career of those four years, we were about 500. That was a humble pie for me to eat, that basketball isn't all about winning. That's actually how you respond to the difficult losses and the things that when you expected to win and you didn't, how you respond to that that week in practice and how you adjust your attitude and get through a hard situation with a group of dudes that all just want to be winning, but we're not, and how do we respond together? There was a lot of character built in my life in that season 
that just winning every game would have never produced. And so we can look at losing seasons, walking in the wrong way seasons as jacked up straight from the pit of hell, the enemy's attack. But I think oftentimes in Christians, we, we put all bad things off just on the devil. Yeah, we serve a good God, a bad devil, but there's some things that the Lord allows us to go through. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So he didn't peace out and say, you're on your own. He's there right in the midst of that. He was with Joseph in the pit. He was with Joseph in the prison. He was with Joseph being wrongfully accused. He's like, I'm going to watch how this cat responds because I want to produce something even stronger and better in his life. And so let's make sure that we're leaning into the process because just because things aren't always good in your life doesn't mean that God's not in it. That's been a real hard pill to swallow sometimes in our lives, but it's the truth and it's how God works, right? And so as we round our final turn, we see this, that, hey, God, God's plan is a process. We say, hey, do the right thing even when your life looks like it's going in the wrong direction. And number three, I feel like Joseph is rounding the last turn. He's running. He's running right now. He's saying this loud, really loud. He says, don't give up. Amen? He says, don't give up. Right? Joseph had so many opportunities to give up and throw in the towel. So many opportunities to get offended and mad and bitter. So many opportunities, right? And in these last few minutes here, I want some just crowd participation, if that's cool, all right? So I'm going to go through a scenario, a couple scenarios in Joseph's life, just a list of events that happens in Joseph's lives. And, and, and your response is one of two things. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes and imagine yourself of how this situation would want you to respond or how you would want to respond. Would you want to, number one, give up? Or number two, go on? So your response here as I read each of one, we're going to say them out loud. After I read this, you're going to say, give up? or go on, all right? And online, you guys can help us too. Just type it in the chat, all right? Just, this is for all of us. And so we see that Joseph, number one, was misunderstood by his family. You wanna give up, right? Would you wanna give up if you're misunderstood by your family over and over? All right, this isn't working out how I planned it. All right, number two, let, more obvious. Human trafficked and sold into slavery. Give up, right? Living in a strange country far, far away from home. Give up. Given favor in Potiphar's house. Go on, right? Okay, cool. A little ray of sunshine, right? Falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Give up, right? Thrown into prison. Give up, right? Put in charge of all the prisoners. Go on. All right, cool. That's good. Forgotten by the chief cupbearer when he promised you to remember him. Give up. Staying in prison two years longer than he should have. Give up, right? Interpreting Pharaoh's dream by the Spirit of God. Go on, right? Becoming second in command in Egypt. Go on, right? Being reunited with his family and saving not only them, but so many lives. Go on. As we see, there's an up and down flow. There's actually more give ups in Joseph's life and story than there ever was go ons. But how many of you guys know that's how life is? It's up and it's down. And we can't just pretend like it's all good when it isn't. But I'll tell you what, Joseph didn't give up. Joseph never quit. Joseph kept running the race of endurance, of faith that was set before him, knowing that God is also the author and he is the finisher of his faith. And if it's not good in your life yet, then God's not done with it yet because our God works all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called 
according to his purpose. I love the end of the journey at the very end when Joseph's in second command and his brothers come to him and they're expecting some not nice treatment from Joseph after what they've done to him. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 12, it says this, Joseph says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for what? Good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Joseph's brothers thought they were in for it. And Joseph said, hey, I'm not even mad at you. What happened to me? God prepared me to be in this place for such a time as this. You're starving. You have no food. I have the keys to the storehouses. I can keep my family alive. And if you would have never thrown me in that pit and I would have never responded in the right decision when it was going the wrong way, I would never been here. And you and brothers and dad and all that may not even live. But here we are. God can take a messed up, jacked up situation and turn it around for our good, amen? He wants to do it in your life too. Sounds a lot like Romans 8, 28, doesn't it? We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. How many of you guys know you, you are called according to God's purpose? You were created on purpose for a purpose, whether you've ever connected with that purpose yet or not. God can work all things together for your good. He can take jacked up situations and make them right. No matter how messed up the situation, no matter how wounded you might feel, no matter how bitter your heart is, no matter how much pain you are walking through right now, it does not supersede God's ability to turn it around and work it for your good in your life. We learn this. God can use it. God can work in it. And God can turn it for good. So the key is just don't give up. If we give up, we don't give God the opportunity to show off and show out in our lives. But if we keep getting back up when we get knocked down, we keep choosing to believe even when it's hard, even when we're misunderstood, even when it looks like we're going in the wrong direction. The doctor's report is the wrong direction. The financial checkbook is going the wrong direction, right? Our joy level is going the wrong direction from the circumstance. Doesn't mean that God can't work it and do good in our lives. And so at the very end of the, the whole thing, we loop back to the last first scripture I share with you from the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. It said, by by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. What's so important about that? Joseph was still preaching faith on his way out and his way up to God. When you operate in faith and when you're a man and woman of faith, you can deposit faith in others. This nation of Israel starts growing in Egypt. A few years later, after Joseph dies, they get put in bondage and slavery for 400 years. Joseph, by faith, is prophesying, saying, you will leave this land and get into the promise that God has for you. And don't forget to take my bones with you because I don't want to be buried here. I want to be buried with my people. He's preaching faith. Only can you deposit faith in the next generation when you yourself are a man and woman of faith. Our prayer this series is that God's stirring up the faith of our community to trust God and believe God and to be people of faith, not only for our own sakes, but for the next generations coming behind us. Because if we don't pass the torch, the torch don't get carried. If we drop the baton in the exchange zone, it gets sloppy, we get disqualified, we get penalized. There's consequences, negative, if we don't transition this thing to the next generation. And so I always point the finger at myself, am I living in faith? Am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I leaning in? Are we leaning into the process of preparation? Are we doing the right thing even when it's going the wrong direction? 
And are we not giving up? Are we having that unshakable faith that moves mountains and sees the impossible become possible in our lives when we don't stray or shake from God's word, but we just put him at his word and say, God, we believe you, even if it looks crazy, even if it sounds crazy, because God can turn it for our good. Amen. So I pray you're encouraged today. I pray you're stirred up today. I pray that your faith is like, let's go. Let's go. It's time to run. Some of you guys, you weren't happy about the process of preparation, but now you're like, okay, I guess that's kind of important. For some of us, like, all right, do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing today. Then tomorrow when I get up, I have a new opportunity to do the right thing. If I mess up, God forgives me. Get it under the blood and get back up and keep moving forward. Don't wallow in your despair. Don't let the enemy kick you while you're down and stay in this rut. Get up and keep moving and keep running. Joseph says, don't give up. Don't give up. If you give up, the enemy wins. If you don't give up, God always wins. He always has the last word. And his word is good and it's true. It's good for you, amen? Let's pray as we ask God to just help us in our hearts how we respond to this, each, each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we just love you so much and we just come to you in faith today. We thank you for showing us through the life of Joseph how we can operate in faith. Lord, we thank you for the plans and the calls on our lives. Lord, each and one of us has been called and created with a purpose, Lord. But Lord, sometimes it takes a while to realize that full potential and purpose. And Lord, help us realize that we're in the process and that even if it doesn't even feel that nice and good, that Lord, you can be in it. And we focus more about what you're doing in us than what's happening to us, Father God. We are in control of what we can control, our attitude, our response, our prayers, our faith, Lord God. You take care of the rest. We trust you. Lord, help us have the courage, the integrity to do the right things even when things are going the wrong way, even when it'd be easier to take a shortcut, to lie about that situation, to cover it up over here, to do this or that, Lord, that we would choose to do what's right and honorable before you, that we would not sin against God and that your favor and promotion would go all over us and all over our lives, our businesses, our families. And Father, I just pray for that never give up, never quit spirit, that backbone of faith rising up on the inside of every single person. Lord, that we will watch and see the miraculous things that God wants to do and is doing in our midst simply because we don't throw in the towel and we don't give up. Father, we ask you for this power and this strength and the courage to keep walking each day forward in faith, just like Joseph did. Let us be a giant of faith, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody greet said, amen. Such a powerful story that Joseph is, isn't it? And when I, when I read and I hear stories like this, I can't think and be reminded of the greatest story of all time. It's Jesus, right? There are so many parallels between Joseph's story and Jesus' story. We've looked at this almost every week. The Old Testament is full of characters and stories that are types and shadows that always point us to the reason why we're here, the reason and the thing that we're searching for for fulfillment. It's always been and will always be about Jesus and where he's at in our hearts, right? You think about the parallels. Joseph was sent by his father to look for his lost brothers in the field. How many of you guys know Jesus was sent by the father to come seek and save he and she who are lost? Joseph's brothers rejected him and plotted for his assassination. How many of you guys know Jesus was rejected by many and people plotted his crucifixion, right? Joseph was thrown in a pit 
In other places in the Old Testament, pit was also translated grave. How many of you guys know Jesus was crucified, died, and was thrown in a grave? Joseph was resurrected out of that pit and eventually became second in command at the right hand of Pharaoh. How many of you guys know on the third day, our God resurrected Jesus Christ out of that grave and is now seated him at the right hand of the Father? Come on, somebody. Joseph saved many lives, including his family, from death. And Jesus' blood, his burial, and his resurrection saved all of our lives for eternity. All we have to do is simply receive him and believe. Joseph was a type and shadow of Jesus. If you're here today, you're tuning in online, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's what it's all about. That's why we do what we do. Everything always points back to Jesus. Without Jesus at the right place in our heart, life will never be fully right. You'll never be fully satisfied or fulfilled. When we put Jesus in his proper place, from that place, promotion and blessing and favor and breakthrough and victory and taking a jacked up story and turn it into something beautiful can happen when we put Jesus in the right place. So out of reverence of this moment, if everybody could just bow your heads and close your eyes in this room. and Online, no moving around either. Just respect this moment. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray a simple yet faithful prayer with you. I'm not gonna call you up or embarrass you or call you out. Maybe you did that at one point in your life and you haven't walked with Jesus in years and you wanna rededicate your life and put Jesus back at his proper place in your life. That's an awesome response today too. In either of those responses, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, if you wanna receive Jesus, would you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with today? dedicate your life. Thank you, Lord. And would you just pray this and repeat this prayer from your hearts and know that God hears you. He's coming into some lives today. Would you pray this all, church family? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.